worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Sing that again. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you.
Southview. We're so excited that you're here worshiping with us this morning, and we're going to get started with our big three announcements. So our first announcement is that we are getting into a busy time of year. Please note that May 31st and June 7th, there will be no kids ministry activities, youth activities, or journey groups held on those days. And speaking of a busy time of year, parents, there is still time to sign your child up for VBS. VBS is in two weeks, starting June 5th. The theme is following Jesus changes the game of life, and you don't want to miss it. Simply text the keyword VBS Kids, VBS Kids to 910-424-1298. And hey guys, we've got a couple of announcements for you, so listen up. Father's Day weekend, Saturday, June 17th at 8 a.m. You're going to have a breakfast here. So text the word bacon. Nothing says Father's Day like bacon. So text the word bacon to 910-424-1298. And hey, guys, if you haven't already done so, the registration for this year's annual men's retreat is already open. It's September 29th through October 1st. If you will text the word retreat to our number 910-424-1298 and you're going to be getting more information about that from Pastor Brad here in just a few minutes. And hey, if you missed last week's sermon or if you want to take sermon notes today, you want to get involved and sign up for events happening here at the church or just simply give online, there's one simple way you can do that and it's downloading the Southview Baptist Church app either from Google Play or iTunes. So download it today. And if you'd like to give to Southview, there's two ways you can do that. One, through the app that I mentioned, or in the giving boxes as you exit the sanctuary. And if today is your first Sunday at Southview, or you've been hanging out a while, but you have not been connected yet to this body, the very first step you need to take is to text the word CONNECT to our number 910-424-1298. And I want to leave you with just one last thought. Sunday mornings are such a gift. We get to come together as a body, something that the rest of the world doesn't have. And we get to glorify God, the God of this universe. So let's just worship him this morning for he is worthy. Amen. Well, good morning, church. How are you? I am wonderful, and I love how Marie ends it on the note that it's so important to realize that what we have here as a body of believers is a privilege, you know, that we get to, not that we have to, but we get to come together and proclaim the greatness and the glories of our God, our Lord, Jesus the Christ. So stand with me, and let's sing that he might be magnified and glorified today. Let's sing. sing and let's celebrate these truths. Were creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we'd hear Christ be mad Yeah. Hey. 
clear our minds today, Lord.
precious times together. And God, I pray that as the word of God is preached, that you would transform our hearts and our minds more and more into your image. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. You guys may be seated. Hello, Southview. This is Phil Dean. I want to come talk to you today about the men's retreat that's coming up in the last weekend of September this year. Just want to share my experience from last year. Um, we had a theme of one thing from Psalms 27.4, and uh, just uh, to give you what it meant to me, it was just kind of a primer for me to really get in touch with God and the one thing that He wants uh, us as men to do, and that is to follow Him, uh, follow His direction for our lives uh, in leading our family, le leading at work, leading at church. And it was just uh, the the messages we had last year, the uh, the small groups, the fellowship was just outstanding. So last year, going to the men's retreat came at a great time. My best friend had recently moved up to Maryland to be stationed up there, and I was just kind of missing having godly fellowship and community, and I got to experience that again at the men's retreat. In Psalm 133, the psalmist speaks about beholding how good it is when brothers dwell in unity, and the men's retreat last year was just an active illustration of that. So I'm looking forward to that again and beyond that, looking forward to seeing what God's going to do through a strong bond of brotherhood within the men here at Southview. So uh, one of the things I took from last year's men's retreat was uh, it actually started at the planning process. Um, the group of men that came together, uh, we were planning for a hundred, hoping for 30 guys from Southview. Um, and through prayer, we actually seen how great God was, and he multiplied that 30 by 3 and sent 100 men from Southview down there. Um, and then once we got there, being able to see the different generations of Christians um, interacting um, as men, as Christian men, uh, for that retreat was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and on top of that, hearing different men get up um, whether in the small groups or in the worship service and listening to people's testimonies and seeing that the struggles that I was going through in my life or have went through in my life are not just my own. Um, guys, Christian men um, have the exact same struggles and that is what I took out of last year's men's retreat. My biggest takeaway was seeing and experiencing a large group of men that had the same purpose and same goals and same desires of wanting to lead our families to grow as men and to grow closer to one another and build a community and a church that has the same purpose and that's to serve our Lord and glorify Him. Fast forward to this year's men's retreat, what I really, really am hoping for is that not only do the, the 100 men that uh, went last year um, sign back up and go, um, but that we multiply those numbers um, by two or three um, and fill both buildings that we have and then seeing the depth of relationships that are going to be formed from last year's and this year's retreat, uh, not only inside the four walls of Southview, but hoping to expand those outside into the Hope Mills and Fayetteville area. I'm looking forward to this year's trip, this uh, the last week in September. 
uh, and I'm looking for it to extend what started last year. Just looking to, to continue the growth that uh, I've gotten from that one weekend at the beach with 100 God-loving men. And um, guys, if you haven't signed up yet, I would encourage you to go ahead and do so. I uh, need to get this locked down so we can get everything planned. Uh, looking forward to a great weekend in the Lord uh, in September. Um, so sign up and let's go. Oh, all right. Well, if you are a guest with us today, welcome to you. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you with us today. I uh, want to welcome everyone and wish you a very happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, we know, obviously, that uh, Memorial Day is about more than cookouts in the beginning of summer. Uh, and, and because of who we are and where we are, I know there are some in the room who have had friends or family um, give that ultimate sacrifice in service to our country. So thank you so much for being here. We love you. Uh, we praise God for you. So thank you again and, and welcome today. Um, before we jump in, I've got a couple of housekeeping things I want to throw your way. One, you saw the video there for our men's retreat that is coming up here September 29th through October 1st. Uh, and I really could not encourage you as gentlemen more highly to go. It's for everyone, middle school boys all the way up. Uh, so our focus this year is going to be on uh, how do you actually grow as a Christian, right? So, in, in, in spoiler alerts, uh, it's more than just make sure you read your Bible, which is true. Uh, if you've been here longer than 10 minutes, you know we tell you that. But there's, there are foundational truths that empower that uh, time in the Word and prayer to really be beneficial. So if you want to have some time where you're going to get poured into strategically and intentionally so that you can walk away from that with actual tools in your toolbox and understanding of how you can grow in your faith and be a different man of God this time next year than you are right now, I cannot encourage you more highly to come and be a part of that. Text the word retreats to our number 910-424-1298 to sign up for that. I just have a few more weeks left to sign up. Uh, so please do not forget, do not wait, do that. You're not going to regret it. Second, um, so this summer, one of the things that we want to do here is create um, a real vibrant internship uh, program uh, where um, you can, uh, if you feel like God's called you to ministry, we're going to give you an opportunity to really plug in and serve um, and be a part of that. Um, uh, and, and we're in the process of building that out. Uh, but what we want to start with is this. Uh, if you sense that perhaps God might be calling you into some kind of ministry, you don't know what that means. The thought of it makes you want to throw up. But you think, hey, I think God might be calling me to something. Um, what I want to do this summer is just get a group together of people, uh, men and women, high school all the way up. If you sense that the Lord might be, you're trying just to discern that, God's will there. I want to get together for a few weeks this summer, just to talk and do some reading together and encourage one another and just try to help you discern what does it mean? How do you figure out, is God calling me to this? What does that look like? What does that mean? So if that's something that you're interested in, if you could just find me after service. Just come up and find me. Just say, hey, um, I had 
four do it after the first service, all right? So you think, hey, I think God might be calling me to something like that. I don't have a clue what that means or what that's looking like, but I'd love to talk more about it. Just find me afterwards. I'd love just to spend a little time talking with you, so be sure to do that. And then last is this, um, Vacation Bible School is coming up. You saw that um, on the video earlier. Uh, you can go by right here and grab a prayer card for VBS, so you can pray for the kids that are becoming to VBS, praying that God does a wonderful work in their hearts, to so be sure to grab that on your way out and be praying over the next week or so for Vacation Bible School, which is coming upon us like now. All right, it's officially time. So be sure to grab that and be in prayer. All right, hey, if you have a Bible, let's find Matthew chapter 7, okay? Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we are in a series now that we're calling In or Out. And the point of the series is for you to take an honest look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, am I really a Christian? Am I actually a Christian or not? Am I in or am I out? The reason that we're encouraging you to ask yourself this question is because the Bible encourages you to ask yourself this question. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Right? Examine, test, search out the scriptures to see here's what the Bible says a Christian is. Is that me? Right? That's a good thing. You need to do that. The, the passage that we're using as we walk through this is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 27. We're kind of taking every week to do a little section of that. But I want to begin our time every week reading the whole thing together. So you kind of see in context what Jesus is saying to us. So Matthew chapter 7, we're picking up in verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, there's one on the back of the pew in front of you. We have it up on the screen. If you need a Bible, still one from lost and found. Scratch out the person's name. Take it. It's yours. There's some nice leather ones back there. It's fantastic. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gates. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, what I told you last week, I'll tell you this week, and I'll tell you every week, there are two big truths that I want you to see in this passage as a whole that really serve as the foundation. Number one is this. There are only two options. You are either lost or you are saved. You are either a Christian or you're not a Christian. You are either in or you are out. There is no middle ground. There is no working on it. There is no trying. You're either a believer or you're an unbeliever. You're either alive in Christ or you're dead in your sin, right? These are very clear categories that the Bible repeatedly gives you. Same thing we see here. Two gates, two paths, two ways, two destinations, two kinds of trees, two kinds of fruit, two kinds of foundations that you build on. It's either this or it's either that, right? A uh, second thing that we see is this. These are people who thought they were Christians. These are, this, this is not talking about the atheist or the agnostic or the New Age spiritualist. This is not the Muslim or the Hindu or the Buddhist or whatever. These are people who all thought wrongly that they were Christians. You know, it's possible to think you're a Christian and actually not be one. In fact, as you look through this text, I mean, some of these people were actually seeing miraculous things done in Jesus' name. But he's going to tell you, yeah, but, but I never knew you. You never were actually a follower of me. So in our modern day vernacular, these would be people who asked Jesus into their hearts and got baptized and joined a church, and were very faithful in that church, and served in ministries in that church, and gave money to that church, told other people, you should totally come to my church. And the whole time they're lost. The whole time they never actually knew Jesus. So, the question that we're asking is, what about you? Are you in or are you out? Are you a Christian or not? Uh, last week, we saw verses 13 and 14. It said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And I told you last week, a very hard-to-hear truth that we see from this text is that it is easy to go to hell. And it is actually hard to go to heaven. Now, in saying that, what I don't mean is that you in any way work your way to heaven. You don't. You don't earn your salvation. You don't work to your salvation. God doesn't pick and choose the good ones for himself. None of that. Salvation is just a gift from God. Jesus Christ died in your place for your sin and gives you salvation through faith in him alone. It has nothing to do with your works so that none of us can boast about it. However, the only way you receive that gift is by entering through the narrow gate. And that narrow gate is, do you lay down your life and lay down your sin and just fall on your face in total submission to Jesus? Committing to live your entire life for him and his glory as his disciple? 
That's the narrow gate. That's the hard path. Is that you? So as we see today, what we're going to pick up in this passage, here's our big truth that I want you to see. The way you live shows what's actually in your heart. The way you live shows what's in your heart. So I've had some very interesting conversations this week, which you can assume coming off the heels of a sermon like last week. And here's one of the main questions that I've been asked. How do you know if you're in the right gate? How do you know if you're walking the right path? I mean, I hear what you're saying. I want to go through the narrow gate. I want to be on the right path. I want to follow Christ. I want to do that. How do I know if I'm doing it or not? I've got good news. God does not leave you twisting in the wind. The Bible does not leave it up to your own subjective thoughts and feelings. I feel like I'm on the right path. I feel like I'm following God. I feel like I'm a real Christian. The Bible does not leave it to any of that. The Bible is abundantly clear. Here's how you know. And what the Bible says is this. It's not hard. You want to know if you're following Christ? Look at your life. Like You can't call yourself a follower of Christ if you're not. Wait on it. Following Christ. The way you live shows what's actually in your heart. It's not up to what you think or what you feel. We can totally just look at your life. We can see. So that's where he picks it up in verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you would recognize them by their fruits. If you look back up at verse 15 again, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Here's what this is saying. You ready? So again, narrow gate, wide gate. The wide gate has a lot of preachers. There are a lot of preachers saying this way, this way to heaven, this way to relationship with God, this way to find peace and joy and fulfillment and acceptance and love come this way. The wide gate has many, many proclaimers of its false gospel offering you an easy path and a simple road that does not ultimately end in eternal life. He calls them false prophets. What's a false prophet? It's not complicated. A false prophet is someone who says they speak for God, but they really don't. That's not hard. God wants you to do this. God wants you to do that. God doesn't care if you do this, or God doesn't care if you do that. False prophet. Claiming to speak for God, but they really don't. And it says that they come to you in sheep's clothing, pretending to be one of God's people, but actually they're ravenous wolves destroying people and destroying souls and it says how you know if they're a false prophet or not verse 16 you will recognize them by their fruits you'll recognize them by their fruits 
Good trees can't bear bad fruit. Bad trees can't bear good fruit. Look at their fruit. What you need to do is this. You need to look at someone who's telling you this is what God says, and you totally need to judge them. Being a pastor is a weird deal. It's a weird thing. So I don't know if I should preach this message after I just said earlier, hey, if you think about ministry, come talk to me. Um, In a weird way, in all seriousness, listen to me. My job is to be judged by you. My job is to teach in a way and live in a way that when you judge me, you say, yeah, I think that's real. That's some scary junk. That's terrifying. That's why James says, it's good that a lot of you don't teach. Probably a good thing. So you need to look. Because, listen, this world is full of false teachers. There are people who have big ministries and big churches who are going to look at you and say, look, it's really easy. Just believe these basic things about Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin? Yeah. Well, then raise your hand and be on team Jesus. The problem is, James again is going to say, Satan and his demons believe that and tremble at it. Just simply believing some basic notions about God and getting wet don't make you a Christian. Social media is filled with false prophets who want to tell you, don't listen to those Bible-thumping, judgy people. No. God is about love and acceptance. You keep being you. God loves you just the way you are. Wide gates, easy paths. Can I give you a weird piece of advice? You need to be more judgy. I know this world is like, no, judging's bad. No, you need to judge stuff. So, I would say the problem with our world is we don't look at bad things and call them bad. We look at twisted, demented, godless things and go, well, you know, maybe. No, we need to be more judgy. Biblical judging is this. So here, when it says Matthew 7, I know every, every pothead I know has two verses they love. Every seed-bearing plant is from the Lord and is good. And judge not lest you be judged. Right? Both of them horrifically ripped out of context. When it tells you not to judge, it does not mean that you cannot look at bad things and call them bad. What it's saying is this, this wrong hypocritical judging of grace for me but none for thee. Right? I, I pick your life apart, but don't you dare look at me. That's why he says in Matthew 7, look, you, you can't help someone get the splinter out of their eye when you have a telephone pole sticking out of yours. Right? Remove the log from your own eye then you will be able to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. The point isn't that we forget that it's there, or we don't talk about that, or we don't look at that, or who am I to say that's a splinter? No, I want to help you get the splinter out, but i got to make sure my heart is right first. You need to judge stuff. And what I want you to see is the point of today is you need to start by judging you. The point of today is going to be that you judge you 
The way you live shows what's actually in your heart. So today, you need to judge the way you live. You need to judge you. I I was telling Marie this morning, as we were getting ready, I had two kind of fears that I was praying through. All right? Fear number one was my concern for today was people who are followers of Christ and love Jesus. And because you have such a humble heart and you want to grow in the Lord, you're going to hear this, this word today and you're going to walk out condemned. Feeling like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I need to grow more, blah, blah. And I don't want that. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to hear, I want you to walk out of here Thankful and excited for what God has done for you. Desiring more, yes. Desiring the Spirit of God to prune and cut things out of you so that more fruit can bear out, yes. But thankful for God and His work in your lives. My second fear that I had was that we were going to have people in this room who aren't actually Christians and you were going to trick yourself into thinking you bear fruit that you don't actually bear. Because you attend here and you vote Republican does not make you a Christian. Like, it just doesn't. There's fruit that the Bible says you will bear if you're actually a believer. And my prayer for you today is that you would rightly judge yourself today. Judge yourself. That's why that 2 Corinthians passage was so huge. Examine yourself. Test yourself. Judge yourself. And see, do I bear fruit? So, I have props because we are so cutting edge. We are, we are so creative, like you don't even know. Um, so, apple and a banana. Um, you can look at this fruit and know the tree that it came from. This apple clearly came from an apple tree. This banana clearly came from an apple plant tree. Right? You, you don't, apples don't fall off orange trees. Bananas don't fall off peach trees. There's a certain seed that grows into a certain tree that bears certain fruit. And the point is, you can see this fruit and from there, very easily reverse engineer this thing and determine what kind of tree did it come from. And that's the idea that God is trying to get across to you today. You should be able to look at the fruit in your life and from there reverse engineer it and determine, am I a righteous tree or am I an unrighteous tree? Am I a tree planted in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or am I a tree planted in the lies of Satan? The way you live shows what's actually in your heart. Uh, so let's do this. I want to I look at a different scripture to kind of help unpack this a little bit more. Again, if you have a Bible, find 1 John chapter 3. We'll throw it up on the screen if you don't have it. But 1 John chapter 3. So if you're in your Bible and you got Matthew, keep going to the right. You'll hit 1 John. If you hit maps, you went too far, go back to the left. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be in verse 6. So 1 John chapter 3 verse 6. Six, I can tell the first crowd brings Bibles and you use your phones because I don't hear the flipping as much. It's funny you hear things like that. So, first, thank you, I heard that. First John chapter 3, verse 6. 
And I want you to listen to these words and let it penetrate your heart and let it be a way of God trying to show you the truth. The point of this is for God to show you reality. Verse 6. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Now, when it says the phrase abide in him, that's a way of describing salvation. Talking about Jesus. Abiding in Jesus means to be a follower of Jesus, to, 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 to be a Christian. No one, no one, again, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Right? This is very simple. That Greek word for no one, anybody want to guess what that means? There we go, no one. The questions just get harder from here. No one. And your name is not a footnote at the bottom of that page. No one who keeps on sinning can still with a straight face call themselves a Christian. Like you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't keep on sinning, live a life of sin, live in unrepentant sin, and say, yeah, but I'm a Christian. No, you're not. Like, no, you're not. No one can abide in him. And keep sinning. No one can keep sinning and still with a straight face say they know him. Just can't do it. Verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Look, I, I love that phrase again also when he says, little children, let no one deceive you. The world is filled with people trying to trick you. You're fine. You're okay. It's all right. Don't listen to him. He's all Bible thumping and jump and judgy. Now, I know in your heart you really love the Lord. Don't worry about that. The world is filled with people trying to trick you to stay on the easy path that leads to hell. Don't be deceived. Don't let them trick you. Don't let them lie to you. Of course your friends are telling you you're fine. Because if you realize that you're on the wrong path and you repent, they got to do something with their life also. The longer you stay on the easy path with them, the better they feel about themselves. Because if you start realizing the stuff y'all been doing together is sin, they got to do something about that. So of course they're going to look at you and tell you you're fine. Of course they're going to look at you and say you're okay. But the Bible says you're not. Don't be deceived. Verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the very beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. It's almost like with every verse, he's just adding more and more and more and more. Whoever practices sinning is not just, you know, need to work on it, need to get better. You really shouldn't do that. Whoever practices sinning is of the devil. This is serious. And you're going to see throughout this passage, it uses the word practice regularly. What does it mean to practice something? To practice sin or to practice righteousness. Well, think about practice. 
Think about sports. What do you do in practice? You do the same repetitions in the same plays, in the same movements, over and over and over and over and over, so that when it's game time, it's just, it's just what you do. You, you're practicing it so you get better at it. And you either, in your life, are practicing sin or you are practicing righteousness. And again, there is no middle ground here. It's not, well, I'm not trying to get better at sin. That's crazy. Okay, well, are you trying to grow as righteous? Well, I mean, I go to church, right? Again, you are one or the other. Are you seeking to practice righteousness? Verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Again, it's this fruit idea. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Why? Because God's seed abides in him. This idea, again, that that a seed has been planted into the ground of your heart. This seed is the very life of Jesus, the Spirit of God placed inside of you. And that seed is going to grow into a tree, and that tree is going to bear righteous fruits. And if you're not bearing righteous fruit, there is a reason. Because you're an unrighteous tree. Again, he says there in verse 9, he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. It is not that Christians shouldn't sin or ought not sin or try hard not to sin. They can't do it. Okay, now what does that mean? Does that mean we're perfect? No. Does that mean we don't sin? No, you do. But again, it's the idea of practice and lifestyle. There is a difference. There is a difference. Like if, if I show up a month from now and I've got a foot-long beard, I cannot look at you and say, yeah, I just didn't shave this morning. Right? Like it, it, I might not shave tomorrow, right? It's Memorial Day, office is closed, I'm hanging out, I'm going to grill a burger, probably not going to shave. Right? So you see me tomorrow night, I got a little shadow, okay, it happens, you skip the day, that's what happens. But, it, but if I'm going full duck dynasty, I didn't skip a day shaving, that's now a lifestyle. Right? I've made the decision that I'm going to stop shaving. You tracking? This is the way it works, guys. Do you sin? Yes. But listen, listen we got to look at the fruits. Are you living a life of just practicing sin? Like you have chosen, this is the life I'm going to live. This is what I'm going to do. This is who I am. Those who do that cannot still call themselves Christians. In verse 10, by this it is evident who are the children of God. It is evident, it is obvious, it's clear as the nose on your face. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. By looking at the fruit. By looking at the life. 
Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. If you don't live in righteousness, if you don't pursue righteousness, if you are not seeking to practice righteousness, you can't say that you're a Christian. Like, you can't do that. This, so, so, so this series that I'm preaching through, it's going to go one of two ways. Number one, it's going to be a great space maker. Right? We're like, oh, wow, we got a lot of room to grow now. I'm hoping two things happen. I'm hoping two things happen. Number one, there are people that have no intention of stopping their sin. And my prayer for you is that in the least, you'll be intellectually honest and stop calling yourself a Christian. Just give me that. If you're not ready to stop your sin, then you're not ready to stop your sin. If you want to keep practicing sin, then you keep practicing sin. Just don't call yourself a Christian. Don't do that. Just at least be consistent. My second prayer is for those here in the room that realize They are not bearing righteous fruit. My prayer for you is that you will repent of your sin. That you would see that you're not in Christ, but you desire to be. So you turn from your sin and you fall on your face and you submit yourself to Christ and you actually enter through the narrow gate. Come to faith in Jesus. Come to faith in Jesus. Again, the, the consistent teaching of the bible is that when when you sin is not just bad things that christians shouldn't do consistent ongoing sin is a giant neon sign pointing to the fact that you're actually lost i'll tell you well just read straight from the bible galatians chapter 5 says now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor I idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation 21. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The point God is trying to make for you is this. These ongoing sins in your life aren't just bad things you should stop doing. It's a giant warning light on the dashboard of your life. God's saying, you need to check your heart. Are you even saved? As you look at these passages, Galatians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6 and Revelation 21, the people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, will not inherit the kingdom of God, will inherit instead the lake of fire. That is hell. This is the point 
The way you live shows what's actually in your heart. And I know, I know the response that some may have welling up in them. I hear what you're saying, Pastor. I may do things I shouldn't do. My life may not be perfect like yours. But I know in my heart, I really love God. I may not act like it and I may not live like it, but I know in my heart it's real. Your problem there, listen to me very carefully, is that Jesus disagrees with you. John chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. What he's saying is this. The way you show you actually love God is by obeying him. And if you don't obey him, you cannot with a straight face say you love him. Again, are we saying perfect? No. However, Matthew chapter 3 says that as Christians, we will bear out the fruit of repentance. That means when we see sin, we turn from that sin. Romans chapter 6 says we'll bear out the fruit of sanctification. What is sanctification? That's the continual growth in the Lord. So in other words, I may not be perfect and I might still have this sin. There may still be something that I struggle with. Some of you may come from backgrounds and situations and circumstances where you were, you went through hell on earth and it busted you up and it has made walking with God a little more difficult and you walk with a little bit of a limp now you may not trust the church and you might struggle with some things I understand I give grace in all of that I understand all of that what I'm asking you to do is just what the Bible tells you to do look at your life look at the fruit and ask yourself the honest question am I in Christ and here's why it matters Matthew 7 19 every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire that is again a picture of hell this is why that 2 Corinthians passage is so important. Examine yourself. Test yourself. Are you in the faith? So here's what I want us to do. Is I want to give you a chance to um, take some time right now and ask God to show you the fruit of your life. Not what you think, not what you feel, not what you hope to be true, but let's just be honest. Look at the fruit. Judge yourself. Do you bear fruit of righteousness? Or do you bear fruit of unrighteousness? Galatians 5 said, look, here's the fruit that you look for. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the flesh. What fruits are you bearing? Bow your heads for me. I want to give just a moment for you to be with the Lord Ask him to show you. Ask him to show you.
Show me my fruit. Show me if something's there. That fruit might be small. It might be a little bud. But it's there. It's growing. Ask God to show you the fruit. And more importantly, ask God if there is no fruit of righteousness there because you are legitimately a tree that needs to be cut down of unrighteousness. Ask him to show you that. today for those that may be for the first time taking a hard look in the mirror and realizing you know what I don't see a lot of fruit of righteousness there may be some good things that you do and no you don't do all the bad things that you could do and there are some good things that you do and that's great but is your mar- is your life marked by a life of righteousness bearing fruit of righteousness if the answer to that question is no, I want to encourage you today. See that Jesus Christ came and he died for your sin. He hung on a tree so that your unrighteous tree can be torn down and a tree of righteousness be put in its place. He hung on a cross so that you can be set free from your sin and be made new so that the seed of God can be planted inside of you. So I want to encourage you today, if you need to, today, say, Jesus, I know that I am a bad tree bearing bad fruit. And I want you to tear that down. I want you to plant your seed inside of me. Jesus that you know he died on the cross for your sin and he rose again ask him to take away your sin and commit today to lay down your life and lay down your sin and just follow him totally Jesus give me your life I want you if that's your prayer I would love to talk with you we'd love to encourage you and help you please come up and tell us if you'd like to come up and pray, you want someone to pray with you, you can do that. But I want us to take some time and I want us to stand and sing. We're going to sing about that cross that makes us brand new. The only thing that makes us new and allows us to be able to bear fruit for His glory. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you died on that cross so that we can be made new. Our sin can be taken away. Our shame can be taken away. 
new life is put inside of us and fruits of righteousness bear out in us for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. You make all of this possible. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's stand. Let's worship the Lord together.
And God, I pray that we would lay our lives down and pick up the cause of Christ. That you would, by your Holy Spirit, empower us to run the race that you have set before us. Father, it is all for your glory. I pray that you have changed hearts and lives today here. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to have your way in our lives. Sanctify us for your glory. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. We love you guys. You are dismissed. Have a great, great week.